Mark chapter 8 yesterday, and we saw again in detail about the man whose eyes were restored. And um, the Lord told him, don't go back into the town. Don't tell anyone in the town. And we know that town along with Chorazin and some others were actually uh, denounced by the Lord because they did not believe in him. They weren't ready to accept him. Now comes a great revelation of the Redeemer. Now Jesus, we're in verse 27, Mark chapter 8, verse 27. I want to look at this, although I've read this many times, and many of you have read it many times. Let's look at it afresh this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, to touch, as someone said, to touch these verses, to feel them. God may touch our spirit through his word. Verse 27, Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Now, Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. You can just tell by the name that it was very important. That particular area to who? Caesar. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say? that I am. There are many people who they were looking to. If you'd ask the common person today, it's a big change from years ago, especially in the United States. Many, many people are part of a group called the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. They have no faith. They believe in themselves. It's a quick, ready way to fall into hell, to trust in oneself, because we're full of sin, everyone. But when we look to the Savior, our sins can be dealt with and we can be set free by the blood of Jesus. Well, a lot of people had opinions. They had an opinion about Jesus. Just like today, if you ask some people, a lot of people will say, well, Jesus... Some would even dare to say, well, Jesus was, um, he's, he's supposed to be the founder of Christianity and uh, he's supposed to be a great teacher. I don't know anything about him. There are people who say that today. Or he is a legend. Even the people who don't believe in him, the people who are educated and have done the research, they can't but admit that Jesus was a historical figure. But that's not what the Lord Jesus is asking here, obviously. He's there in person. Nobody needs to prove the historicity of the existence of Jesus. But what he's asking is, do people know my identity? So they answered, John the Baptist. Some people today will say, well, we compare Jesus to Confucius, the great Chinese teacher. We con compare him to Buddha. We compare him to uh, other philosophers from the East or the West or religious leaders or gurus. As one Indian man said, I think his name was the Maharishi Yogi. In the 1970s, you had a British pop group following him all the way from the West, going over to the East to meditate, be taught of him. These millionaires, British singing group, they went after this man because they thought, you know, we can't find meaning in drugs. We can't really find meaning in money or music. We find no meaning in pursuing pleasure. We've done it all. Been there, done that. We're still empty. No meaning in drugs, nothing, nothing satisfying. Maybe this man has this hidden knowledge. He said, come. When they went to spend time with him, they thought they were getting some deep revelation. They came away disappointed because uh, it turned out that he was not only found to be adulterous with their own wives, they're coming to him to seek truth, but later on, he ended up saying, if you've seen me, you've seen 
Jesus. He said, I am Jesus. That's the inevitable end of anyone who does not follow Jesus and know the identity, the true identity of Jesus. That he is the Son of God. We're not him and he's not us. He's God all by himself. The living God. Anyone who toys with the truth and begins to manipulate it, God said that person will have plagues upon their lives. They'll get into more delusion. The devil possessed them. Jesus is not one of many gods. Not only is he not just a philosophical teacher, religious founder, he's not even one among many gods. No, no, no. There are people in religion that like to include him as one of the uh, many gods or favorite gods. No such thing. Because you find dire contradictions in other so-called gods. Many of them are at each other's throats. And the mortal, the human being who worships these gods, can never know. Am I under the favor of this god or that god or that goddess? I don't know what's going on. All I know is I have to bring my sacrifices to the, hoping that they won't lose their temper on me or do some mischief. Well, you might as well worship the devil if you have gods like that. And yet people worship such gods. No assurance. No assurance that they are actually worshiping the living God or they are safe. There's no uniformity. There's no truth. There's only contradictions. But they inherit these things by tradition, conveniently packaged by Satan, and they're held in darkness. Jesus said to his disciples, Who do men say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. Herod thought that himself. But some say Elijah, that Old Testament prophet, a powerful prophet. And others, one of the prophets. In other words, they see Jesus as different. He's doing these miracles, he's speaking with authority, but they haven't come to understand that he is more than a prophet, more than John the Baptist himself, more than Elijah. He's the Son of God. God the Son. God in human form. Not just God putting on the human form as a clothing for a little while, but He became one among us to feel our pain. He was in situations where He had the most extreme pain. I was talking to Joseph early in the morning as he sat next to me as I was looking at the Word of God. And I told him, we came upon a passage where it says they plaited the crown of thorns on the skull of Jesus. And I told him, I said, Daddy got stuck by a thorn in a rose bush our own some years ago. I said it was so painful and so annoying at the same time. It just pierced right into my skin and the trickle of blood came. It was so painful, so sharp. I said, can you imagine having a bunch of those very big and pressed down into the head? My Lord Jesus Christ suffered that for me. He suffered that for us. He knows what pain is more than anyone else. That's why it's written in the book of Hebrews. When we're afraid, when we have pain, when we have all kinds of emotional lows and physical oppression, when we feel alone, the Lord became man. He knows all about it. He knows about it more than anyone else. See him in Gethsemane. As he knelt, he fell on his face. He prayed to the Father before the crucifixion. And his sweat fell like drops of blood, great drops of blood. He knows what agony is. He knows. Therefore, it's written in the book of Hebrews, he's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. In the hour of our trials, he's able to do that. Only he can do it. Who do men say that I am? They said, they think you're one of the prophets, Lord. He said to them in verse 29, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are 
the Christ. You are the Messiah. This anointed one that the Jewish people were promised. You are the one. The Savior. You're Christ, the Messiah. The Prince of Peace. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. This area, this location, uh, in uh, the upper portions of Israel there, was actually by uh, a cave. And uh, from what I recall, it was considered the mouth of hell. And they had a rather grotesque kind of... Um, configuration they would have changed it after all these years but it was a place where they thought there are some demons or demon gods the Lord chose that area confront that place this portal of hell to show that he's the portal to life all these people believed in these multiple gods so called he stood right there. He knows all about what people think, what they do. All of the traditions. He knows every tradition, every ritual, every painting of the face or whatever part of the body, everything human beings try to do to try to connect with the supernatural when they're really connecting with the devil who wants to destroy them. We need to be careful. We don't honor the devil in any way. Or people who will follow the devil, otherwise we'll get a curse to ourselves. We need to be careful. We're going to find out just how God spotted the devil in one of his closest disciples. The next section here, as I was looking at this earlier, I see in verses 27 to 30, there was the revelation that God gave to Peter of the Redeemer. Revelation of the Redeemer. Now in this next section, you see the Redeemer rebuke the robber. The revelation has come that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Redeemer. He purchases back to the Father, reconciles us, takes away the hostility that we have for God when we follow our own way through His blood on the cross. It's the only way we can be made clean to come to the Father. It's a revelation of the Redeemer. Now, He has to immediately rebuke this Redeemer, now revealed, has to rebuke the robber. We'll see what we mean as we read verse 31. And He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Yes, the Messiah, but did you know, according to the prophecy in Isaiah 53, some 700 years prior to this time where Jesus walked the earth, that Messiah before the glory and the Messiah coming on the white horse with great victory, he has to be the suffering servant to pay for our sins. That was his mission. So he began to teach them, remind them, remind them, the Son of Man, as he called himself, must suffer many things. He's going to go through suffering, Peter, and be rejected by the elders. My disciples, they're going to all join against me, I'm telling you beforehand. The elders and chief priests and scribes you know what they're going to do to me? They're going to kill me. And after three days, I'm going to rise again. How solemn, how passionately he would be telling them. He loved them. He's revealing the secret. that The others didn't bother to want to know. The other people who read their Torah and the Pentateuch, the writings of the prophets. As a nation, they missed the Messiah. And that's why they ended up joining with the Romans to kill him. The leaders. 
He spoke this word openly. He told them all. Then Peter, as soon as he heard this, what? They're going to, they're going to arrest my Savior, my Master, and they're going to kill him? Peter lost it. He took him aside and began to rebuke him. He started saying, and maybe his eyes were wide and his fists were clenched, and he physically brought Jesus to the side. He said, no, 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 no. He said, never. He thought he was trying to talk sense into the God of all wisdom, wisdom himself, to tell him this is not the way. No, 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 no. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Now, we just mentioned that the Redeemer rebuked the robber. Is Peter the robber? No. The robber is the person speaking through Peter. Did you know that even through people who are coming close to God, people who are walking with God, if we're not careful, we can become a mouthpiece for Satan. Why and how can that happen? If we don't receive God's truth, we can become an easy target for the enemy and speak a lie. We can speak something that is contrary to God's will and His way. It's a danger. Peter rejected what the Lord said right there. Now, he's the one that stepped up. He usually is the one that steps up to claim his allegiance to the Lord. And he had a revelation from the Father. Beautiful things happened for Peter. But all of a sudden, he starts talking the devil talk, saying that, no, you can't go to the cross. Can we say that Peter didn't love him? No, he did. He did. He loved the Lord very, very much. But he was dull many times he thought from a human point of view he couldn't see the big picture even if he didn't understand you see he should have kept quiet and even if tears were coming down when they heard this their hearts were very sorrowful he should have been like the others just quietly see what the Lord's going to do next and what's going on but he took matters in his own hands and he began to say no Lord we need to be. We need to beware that we never say no, Lord. That's the beginning of a downfall. When the Lord speaks something to us and it doesn't settle well with us, as I was saying last evening, when something irritates us or makes us feel like you know, I'm not taking this. We just need to do one thing. We need to train ourselves, all of us. Is it coming from the Lord? Can I know of certainty that this is not from God before I reject it? Or is this something that God is teaching me? He's growing me. He is actually taking me to another level, getting closer to Him and honoring Him more. And that's what the shepherds are teaching me. But I have to admit it, it. I don't like it. But it's not about whether I like it or not. It's whether it's the truth. Because only the truth will set me free. Jesus said, you should know the truth. Now, if I reject the knowledge, you know what it says in Hosea? My people are destroyed. Year after year, they're getting slaughtered. Year after year, my people, he says, they're being destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have refused knowledge. The problem is not that God's knowledge is not available. Some people choose it. Some people refuse it. That makes all the difference. Peter, at this point, he, he just outrightly refused what Jesus said. The Lord is saying, this is what is going to happen. Peter said, no way. He said, Lord, I'm telling you. He started rebuking him. Jesus turned around and rebuked Peter. He said, what's wrong with you? Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He knew what was wrong with him. But I was emphasizing how the rebuke came back on Peter. He tried to rebuke the Lord.
we need to establish always in our hearts, God is always right. It's not just some kind of theory or theorem. It's the truth. He is. Because he's perfect. That's, that's who he is. We can't deny that. Just like the sun, it's so bright. It's so big and it's so powerful with this cosmic rays of heat. It's a fact. Whether I agree with it or not, that fact doesn't change the fact. It doesn't alter that truth. God's nature is that he is light and in him there's no darkness at all. That's how he revealed himself. And God says God is love. He's the truth. He's the light. He's love. How can you argue with the truth, with the light, and with love? Peter, just like when he was on the water, he was walking momentarily on the water because he had the boldness while he was in the boat when they saw him walk, Jesus that is, on the water. They were terrified. They thought it was a ghost. Peter stepped up and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out there on the water. I know I can trust you, Lord. I want to make sure, I want to verify that it's you. Why don't you tell me to come on the water? Lord says, come. Come on. Steps out. The man is walking on water. And then the winds and the waves, the chaos started. Peter took his eyes off of the Lord. For that moment, he began to immediately sink. That's what happens. And Peter, it happened to him here. You see, he heard things that disturbed him, like the wind and the waves. He took his eyes off the Lord. He looked at what he thought about it. It's a danger. Anytime we take our eyes off the Lord and we look at ourselves and start thinking what I think or what the devil tries to make us think, you know what can come in? Fear. And the humanistic type of love. What is this humanistic love? It's a love that cares about self-protection, physical comfort, and man's way. Seems so nice. It's dead wrong. Because God's way is the way of the cross. These sections here in the brief narrative, the rest of the chapter 8 of Mark's, Mark, is uh, placed in order by the Holy Spirit on purpose. We talked about these, pardon me, these verses here about the revelation of the Redeemer and now the Lord rebukes the robber, the devil, who's trying to do what? Rob all humanity. This sly, mischievous, wicked spirit, Satan, wants to rob not only Peter or the disciples and the disciples, but all of humanity of what? of the only way to heaven, Jesus Christ. If the Lord Jesus did not suffer, didn't get crucified, didn't die for our sins, nobody would have any way out of this mess that we're in. Nobody. No one. We would all go to hell. He tried to make Peter step up. And who's Peter? He's one of the closest to Jesus. Satan trying to persuade Jesus? through somebody who really loves him, saying that you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you better not do this. Who can stand against God? The devil tried for 40 days, and he tried at other seasons. Even in the garden, he would have tried. He couldn't stop the Lord. Who can stop the Lord? But you see, in his humanity, as Jesus became the God-man, he had opportunity. If he wanted to say, I'm not going through with this, he could have. But it's written that he willingly gave himself. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down as an offering. Hence Ephesians He offered himself as a sacrifice, sweet-smelling aroma to God, a pleasant 
accepted sacrifice on behalf of all humanity. Lord rebuked the robber. He said, get behind me, Satan. You're the one who's speaking through Peter. Peter, let his guard down. Here you are speaking, snake. He said, get out of here. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Notice how it's written here that he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. Is Peter Satan? Is Satan Peter? No. But Satan found a mouthpiece. And so it is today. All of us, every one of us in the church, every one in your family, we ought all to speak the same thing as Paul writes to the Philippians. Be of the same mind as he writes in the Ephesians by the Holy Spirit. Be one in that love and the truth. What is the same thing we should speak? God's word. God's truth. When we hear something from the Lord that doesn't settle well with us, there's a problem within us, not with the Lord. We need to come to that conclusion. Every time. Every time. And say, Lord, I'm not going to throw a tantrum. I'm not going to withdraw. I'm not going to go hide. I'm going to stay here and eat the medicine if I need to because I know you give the medicine to me so I can get well. Something's wrong over here. I want to grow, Lord. I'm not going to fight with you anymore. I'm not going to fight with my pastors anymore. I'm not going to fight with my brothers and sisters. Let them tell me if there's something wrong. I'm going to humble myself. That's the beginning of true learning. We need to humble ourselves. But he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was the physical vehicle that the Satan, the Satan, suddenly found an opportunity. You see, he was dull. Otherwise, he wouldn't say this. Even though he loved the Lord Jesus, he knew. He would have known that I can't question the Lord. Maybe I don't understand this, but I have to go with the flow because he's God, not me. How can I ever think of rebuking him? Doesn't he know about pain and suffering? Doesn't he know what is up ahead? Didn't I just wonder with the rest of the disciples when that terrific storm was raging on the Sea of Galilee? And the water was just coming in. We're about to die. He just gets up from his sleep. When we woke him up with great panic, he said, to the storm, the wind and the waves, all of this chaos, death staring at them in the face, he said, be quiet. All of a sudden, everything died down. He said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves, no fishermen no captain of any boat or ship. Nobody could control the wind and the waves. You're just, you're just at their mercy of these natural forces. The best you can do is try to use your sense. And even then, the best navigators, the best equipment, the most experienced seamen, who could ever guarantee there's not a rock over there, there's not an iceberg there, you see in the book of Acts, the boat was dashed into pieces. And you had people who were experienced on that voyage. And it took God working through the Apostle Paul to prophesy and to bring relief when the boat was broken into pieces. He told them exactly what to do to save themselves. He said, the angel of the Lord came to me. He said, everybody's going to live. Yeah, there's going to be disaster, but you listen to me. Because God was speaking through Paul. But Peter remembered, he should have remembered. Last time we had chaos, Lord, you're the only one who had the answer. Many times, Lord, when we had a lack of bread, Lord, every time we were at our wit's end, you always came through with the solution. You are the answer. He should have come to that conclusion, I don't, I won't question Jesus. Because he knows a lot more than me and he's God Almighty. He has power. He's the Messiah. Didn't he just say that? We can confess, oh, Jesus is good. 
Jesus is Lord, and then when we get into a situation where we don't understand even his word, we may start to try to find fault with him. We need to be careful. Uh, some would say that human nature is actually Satan nature. Because the devil is the one who will try to do what? Like in the Garden of Eden. Sow seeds of doubt. Maybe he's not the God that we think. Maybe he's one of many gods. Maybe maybe I don't need to take a stand and say that I believe in Jesus. Maybe I just need to be passive. No, you can't be passive and get to heaven. The faith has to be active. It has to demonstrate that I'm loyal to Jesus Christ. There's no other God. Otherwise, we'll never make it to heaven. The alternative is hell. That goes for anyone and everyone. Are you willing to open your mouth? Like Peter, to tell in the presence of God and before other people, Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. Period. There's nobody else. Also, are you willing to close your mouth when the devil tries to start trouble? Either in your mind or through other people? Bring in idolatry. Bring in other gods. Bring in other kinds of persuasions to try to be smarter than Jesus. No, we need to close our mouths and not be a mouthpiece for the devil. There's a time to speak and a time to keep quiet. We learn so much if we pay attention to what the Lord is teaching. So we can continue to follow him faithfully and be blessed eternally. First section was in verses 27 to 30. The Redeemer was revealed. The next section, when the Lord was predicting his death and resurrection, he had to rebuke the robber, the devil. And now, the third section here, as we come to a close this morning, he reminds them of the road. What's the road look like to heaven? Is it full of comfort and pleasure and all the things that I want to do? In other words, I write my story and I will get on the ship to heaven. Am I the one that would like to describe my Christianity and my way of following Jesus? There are people who say that, well, I don't believe God's like that. And I don't believe God would want me to do this and that. It's not the kind of God I like to serve. And my God tells me this. I, I've spoken to people even recently. I actually spoke to a family member recently, extended family member, who said, I don't believe in witchcraft. Do you read your Bible? You call yourself a Christian? When you say you don't believe in witchcraft, we're not saying that we trust in it. Absolutely not. It's from the devil. But to say that it doesn't exist is to say, I don't believe the devil exists. No wonder the life is empty and without meaning and there's so much twisting in the thinking. Twisted thinking. There's no assurance. There's no understanding of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. It's a dead religion. And they like to call themselves Christians. Oh yes, there will be many people. We ought to pray for them, Lord. If you have relatives that don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we need to pray. They're under the domination of the devil. They may be smart. They may be um, all kinds of things that we can admire. But they're absolutely zero. They don't have Jesus. And we'll see what the Lord says about that right here. When he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, and the crowd with his followers, disciples. He said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Stop trying to follow your own heart. That's what the world teaches. Follow your heart. You have to do what's right for you. According to whose estimation? Yours, of course. And the children are taught that in the school system and in society. You can be whatever you want to be. You want to go and uh, 
be an entrepreneur and live for money, worship money as your God, go ahead. You can do it. All you have to do is put your mind to it. You want to be a vulgar, so-called star in Hollywood? Go ahead. You can do it. Dream big. You want to be a person who uh, reads all the books on how to make friends and how to be a success, how to have the most friends? You want to be a people pleaser? You can do it. You can be whatever you want to be. Where's God's will in this? Why? You're your own God. All you need is some capital. You need some money. You need access to education. You need the right opportunities at the right time. And you can do it. The whole world will love you. You can write your story in a lot of different columns and newspapers and magazines. And they can make a movie, documentary about your life. And then all of you will go to hell together because you served yourself, not the living God. The first step to come after Jesus, truly be his disciple, is to deny myself, to say, Lord, now that I'm a Christian, or now that I want to follow you, I've settled on this truth that you are who you say you are. Now, the next question is, what is your plan, Lord? What is your will? You're the creator. You're the redeemer. Show me. The redeemer is revealed. The robber is rebuked. Now, the road to heaven is revealed. He reminds them of this road. You see the connection? What the devil came to rebuke, Jesus with through Peter, the person he really loved and close to him. The devil will try to do that. He'll take people close to you to do what? To derail you from the path of the cross, which is the only way to heaven. There's no other way. Because Jesus, he told Philip, Philip, have I been so long with you that you still don't know who I am? Don't you realize if you've seen me, you've seen God? You've seen the Father? Because Philip said, we don't know the way. Or Thomas said, we don't know the way. How can we know the way? And Jesus had to say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Don't you understand? Nobody gets to heaven. Nobody goes to the Father except by me. And he teaches again right here. This is the way. What the devil tried to take me off of that path? That's the same path for you. Not the same cross. We can't bear Jesus' cross. As you heard many times, Pastor Kuba teach. We can't. But we each have a cross to bear. Before we can even think of bearing that cross on that path to glory, the only road to glory, as Jesus was on the path, now, he calls the crowd together with his disciples. He says, let me give you a lesson out of this. Whoever desires to come after me. Can you see him looking around at the crowd and his disciples? Let me tell you finally. Whoever desires to come after me. Whoever wants to follow me. Really follow me. Let him first deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. You want to come after me? You want to see the road that I'm on? The only road to glory? The only road to heaven? There's going to be suffering involved. Not the common suffering. Everybody gets a cold and everybody uh, as children may scrape our knees on the ground. We run, we fall. Everybody may get affected by the economy, by the weather, by hurricanes. We're all under different uh, common human afflictions and uh, trials. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you choose to take a stand for me. As Peter opened his mouth and said, you are the Christ. And then go against Christ. He says, Peter, you, the other disciples, and the whole crowd, let me tell you. If you want to follow me on your own terms. Even try to protect me from the path that the Father has shown me that I must take. You can't follow me. But if you make up your mind that 
I am who I say I am. God in the flesh. And the path I tell you is not going to be easy, but it's well worth it. You have to be willing to renounce, give up your own comfortable path and say, Lord, if you take me to the desert, I will go. If you take me to the garden, I will go. If you take me to the palace, I will go. If you take me through the river, I will go, I will go, I will go. I say with a passion in my heart, Lord, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to take the hard way, the right way. The easy way, many people go into that way, broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction. Be whatever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. It'll be great. We're all for it. Millions and billions will go down down the Broadway to hell. But the way to life is a constricted, restricted path, Jesus said. It's a, a narrow way and only a you find that path. That's the only way that goes to life. To heaven. And Jesus said, I'm the path. My path, I'm going to be rejected of the scribes and the elders. They're going to cause me to suffer and I'm going to be killed but on the third day I'll rise. I will have paid the price for humanity's deliverance that every person on the face of the earth who was ever born whether they're Jewish or non-Jewish, Gentiles. No matter what part of the world they're from, what skin color, what creed, whatever they were raised in, whatever traditions, whatever religion, I'm opening a door for every person on the face of the earth to be able to come to heaven, to be with me forever. By having their sins forgiven. But whoever it is, Whosoever believeth on him, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever, whoever you are, everyone is eligible. Hallelujah. If you're, the, if you're a member of the human race, you're eligible to come to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I need you to save me, Lord. And I will follow you. The Lord says, you want to follow me? Here are the conditions. You have to first deal with yourself. You can't follow me and have your selfish ways. You can't follow me and oppress other people. You can't follow me and put down other people. You can't follow me trying to play your own God, be your own God. You can't follow me and say, well, I'll turn on and turn off whenever I feel like. No, no, no. What will happen to somebody who goes into the army like that? Whether they get drafted or voluntarily sign up. Okay, day one, we're going to take you to this camp. Everybody ready? Right there, day one. I don't think I like this. Could you put me back on the bus? Or after the first week, I don't like this idea of getting up in the morning and having this man yell at me. What would society say of such a person? Not just a weakling, a weak-minded person, totally lost in his own world, or today her own world, men and women in the armed forces, but a person who's deluded. Don't you know? You don't come to the army and start telling people and all the leaders there, let me tell you what time I'm going to get up and what I'm going to watch on TV and how many times we're going to play cards and chew gum and smoke and then we'll play a video game where I'll be the bad guy, you'll be the good guy and we'll shoot each other. So it's ridiculous, but that's exactly what Satan 
as people do many times because they say I call the shots I control the whole family if I don't go to church nobody goes to church if I don't like what the pastor's saying guess what I'll tell my people don't listen to him or her that's the witchcraft spirit right there that's from the devil the Lord says you're going to follow me truly you're going to come to heaven stop following yourself deny yourself don't go with what you feel but go with what I say because what I say is the truth that can set you free and then you take up your cross you take up this instrument of crucifixion or death why because it is through the path of standing up for the truth because truth demands absolute loyalty whatever the Lord says he is the truth so when you stand up for the truth that Jesus is the only way you know who you're standing up with you're standing up for you're standing up for Jesus because he's the truth if you're afraid of the truth and you try to cover it up because you're afraid of a human being or human beings you're plainly saying that I'm more afraid of the devil and I'd rather do what the devil wants like Peter did momentarily than what God wants don't be a coward be a person of character especially when you know it, it wasn't the devil it wasn't your relative it wasn't anybody on the face of the earth that died for your sins it was Jesus only Jesus the one who loves you more than anyone else will you stand up for him will I stand up for him there are times brothers and sisters we're human that's the problem not that we're human but I should say we can be humanistic well, what has happened since God has given us the truth so many days he's changed something on the inside he's working by the spirit but I can stop that effectively if I go with the human side of things what is this human side of things just like Jesus said you care about human way of looking at things I have to say no more I'm, I'm headed for heaven I can't afford to put a break on anything God wants in my life because I'll be doing a great disservice to myself I'll not only hurt myself I will be the hindrance for my family that's what happens sin is never isolated rebellion is never a lone ranger it'll always permeate like that leopard but if you stand up as a lone voice sometimes maybe you're the only one stand up and say no I follow Jesus now what you this you that I'll do this to you and I found the truth like my grandfather said many years ago to his mother she was the matriarch she was the leading figure in the clan even though she was so small physically everybody feared her she had this kind of power they respected her too but my grandfather came back from having a vision of the cross as a strict Hindu and he came and told her and she said I'm going to disown you you don't get a piece of anything any of the big property that we have is supposed to come to you because his father her husband was a district superintendent and the police had a lot of land and property and my grandfather as the eldest was going to get a huge share of that it is a moment of truth my grandfather chose to deny himself take up his cross and follow Jesus he said mom mother I found the Lord I'm not backing down from him you can take the property you can take everything all those rituals he used to do he's very faithful he said all of that did nothing for my soul nothing could save me from my sins but there's a savior that shed his blood on the cross and he's appeared to me how can I turn back on him and so it was that years and years passed my grandfather's family among all my great-grandmother's children were the ones that 
all came to faith and prospered. God will never leave us. The road may be hard. We may have persecution. We may become an outcast. But remember, Jesus was homeless for the most part. And he was an outcast. But he called all the outcasts together and showed them his love. And told them, don't worry about what people think about you. What really matters is what I think about you. Because I have the power. I have the love. I have the truth. To make sure. You're going to come to glory with me. That thief on the cross said, please forgive me. Oh, he was convicted. He was indicted. He was convicted. He was being punished. The other man started to badmouth Jesus. And this thief on the other side, being crucified, said to him, how can you say such things? Don't do it. We suffered for our crimes. This man has done nothing to deserve his punishment. Jesus died for us, not for himself. For my sin, for your sins. And he told the Lord, will you remember me, Lord? Remember me. Immediately, this great, gracious Lamb of God who was dying for our sins. He loved so much that in the midst of his greatest trial and pain, he thought about this man. And immediately he said, I tell you the truth. I can only imagine how the breath was so difficult. The breathing was so difficult. It was a horrible situation. It said that they had to push themselves up, people crucified, just barely, with enough of a, a jolt upward from the painful feet to try to get some air in. But that he spoke. He said, Truly, I tell you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Instantly forgave him. Who's ever loved like that? Nobody, no one. There's a cross involved. The Lord says, if anyone, anyone wants to follow me, they've found the way attractive. What, what's attractive about it? Eternal life. Everything I need is found in Jesus. That's attractive. The path is going to demand everything from me. A true disciple will say, Lord, I'm yours. You teach me what to say. Holy Spirit, you show me what to do. He said, follow me. Four, whoever desires to save his life, he wants to protect, I want to be comfortable, I want to be good with this person, that person, I want to be, you know, a, a a friendly person. We can't be a friendly person and make it to heaven. Because the truth will cause us to stand on Jesus' side. And whoever is of the devil, they'll be hostile to Jesus. Hence, they'll be hostile to us. That's how it is. If there's such a thing as guilt by association, there's innocence also by association. Because we're on the side of the truth of Jesus. We will face hostility, but do we understand that the path is not easy? For God will test our character, our loyalty. He will see whether what we say with our mouths or what we have been exposed to with the truth has really come in and made a home within us that we have held fast to his truth. We're loyal to him. We are showing our love to him. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of man. I'm not afraid of anyone. I fear the living God. I can't be bought with money. I can't be persuaded with pleasure or comfortability or with friendships. Oh, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Oh, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Oh, take the whole world. I don't want it. Just give me Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. For I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no matter what happens. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
No turning back, no turning back. For whoever desires to save his life will end up losing it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels, the truth about me, will save it. Jesus is saying plainly, if you stand up and confess me before people, that you're my follower, whatever they want to do to you, you will not back down because you love me, you know my love is in you. And I've guaranteed that you'll come to heaven with me. He said, I'll do what I told you. But if you're shy about it, you're afraid of people, and you don't want to step up and open your mouth and say, I am a Christ follower. He is the Savior of the world. Not many people, one person, Jesus Christ. If you're afraid to do that, God will say, I'll be ashamed of you on Judgment Day. I'm not going to confess your name to the Father because you backed out. Because the Bible says, God says, my soul has no pleasure in the one who draws back. Isn't that right? What if two people get married and one says, I don't think it's going to work anymore. One fine morning and get up. It's been one year, two years, ten years, got married. Some people, unfortunately, 30 years. And one day they say, you know what, I don't love you anymore. Just pierce the heart of the other person and then walk out. Is that acceptable? No. Why should we think that God should accept us into heaven to live with him in his house? If we're afraid to confess that we're married to him, we love him. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? He can have it all but ends up losing his soul. The person is gone forever in exchange for a few trinkets, these passing pleasures and this foolish fool's gold, as they say. A paper mache crown to wear for a few years and feel that they're all that. I have friends, I have money, I have technology, I can do whatever I want. It's like the pig fattened up for the slaughter. Eat all you want. Feel really good about yourself and get that sugar high and this high and you know, be with all the other pigs and hey, we can roll in the mud. Isn't it wonderful? Guess what? Next comes the slaughter, separation. That's what the devil's doing successfully. Every single day, he's persuaded people, go ahead, follow your heart. Pursue your dreams and then come to me and burn forever. It's a short time. Within the short time, we can determine our destiny. If we follow Jesus and do what he says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul, his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? Can you bargain? Lord, I'd like to have my soul back. I know I lived for me, and I didn't bother to open my mouth that I belong to you, but uh, right now I see it's the 11th hour, and judgment's about to happen. Can I make up for it, Lord? Can I, is there a makeup quiz? Is there a makeup examination? Can we do something to work it out? It's too late. Today's the day. For whoever is ashamed of me, and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. A generation that's going after every other God, so-called demons, inciting them to do foolish things. Eat, drink, sleep, die. Of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What a sharp word. How many people like to hear this? I suppose if a preacher made it up, they'll stone the preacher or say, you know what, he's a negative person, she's a negative person. But this is God speaking. God never, ever holds back the truth. That's why I love the Lord. One of the things I love about the Lord, he'll tell it as it is. I'd rather hear that. I've said this before many times. 
I don't want to hear flattery. I don't want to hear a sugar-coated sermon. I don't want to hear things that only make me feel good. Do I want to feel good? Yes. Who wants to feel bad? Nobody. But if feeling bad means that there can be a change in my thinking to the truth, and to be more heavenly-minded and follow Jesus more closely and love Him more dearly, I want that. Tell me, Lord. Show me, Lord, where I'm wrong. Show me, Lord, if I need to change something. I don't like fake. I don't like artificial. There are people who like that. I'm not one of them because I don't want it because it's a lie. I want the truth. We want the truth. We're people of the truth. We want Jesus to show us everything that we need to know to have a successful... Is it going to be hard? Yes. But it's going to be successful and victorious. I want to make it through the narrow gate. Only a few find that Jesus said. We have to do our part. And we won't miss it. We'll be able to go through life with no regrets because Jesus would have redeemed the past. Because every step we're taking is very deliberate. Very deliberate. We're alert and attuned to what God has for us. We're able to seize the opportunities. We're able, when we're given a choice, not to go with a humanistic position. You know, what will the family think? What will I think? How will I feel? No. What is good for my soul and for the souls of my family? That's what I'm going with. I'll begin to grow and mature. and God will give me more discernment. And I'll be able to see more things of heaven clearly. And I will please my Father so much. God will use me as a very bright light before we go to be with Him. This is what we want. The Redeemer is revealed. The robber is rebuked. And the road, the clear road to life is revealed as well. We choose Jesus. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my Jesus, you're the sunshine of our lives. You're the sweet aroma in our lives. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Oh, my Savior, strengthen our character to be loyal to you to the very end. That our lives may make a difference, Lord, in this dark, deceived holiday spirit world that keeps dying with every celebration. Every celebration plunges society into a deeper hole, a deeper death. But Lord, the celebration of your great name with holiness and reverence and joy unspeakable to love you, Lord, intelligently with our minds, with our hearts, with our bodies, to love and worship you, Lord, with everything that's within us, dedicated to you. Recharges us. Because when we're in your presence and you're well pleased with us, when your blood covers us, Lord, and your spirit gives us joy, supernatural strength comes into us. We're able not only to continue any difficult path, for your glorious namesake. Lord, we're able to run and even fly like an eagle to greater heights. You said, even the youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall but they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us in these passages in Mark 8 who you are. What the enemy tries to do to rob us from your blessing and how we can readjust ourselves to follow that singular narrow road that leads to life. Thank you for laying it out so clearly, Father. Thank you for showing us by example, Lord, how to face any difficulty through your power and how to escape the deception from the devil. Every time we want to go forward, Lord, and to identify the culprits through the devil that tried to rob us, tries to rob us year after year of blessing. Help us to say no more. I'm going all the way with Jesus and this is what it looks like. I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going this way. Whoever wants to follow me in the path of Jesus, come. If you don't, I'm not coming the other way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, magnify your healing virtue, your stripes, O Lord, to lift every brother, every sister, every situation, O Father. Manifest your wonder today, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise Jesus.